Good morning. Glad you're here. Uh, my name is Gary, and I get to be one of the pastors here. Um, and uh, we're very glad that you are here. Um, have you noticed um, just the power of a song? Songs can be so powerful. It's uh, they're the things that help us remember. Um, how many of us learned our ABCs by? Song, yeah, yeah, and some of you, I, you don't need to prove it to me right now, but um, we uh, we associate things with songs. We recognize the song, and then we associate certain things with it. So we're going to do a little. Uh, it's not not just name that tune for those of you old enough to remember that show, um, but uh, I want you to think about um, what you associate these these uh, songs that Jake is going to play for us. What you associate with them, maybe even feelings that well up within you. Okay. The first one is a jingle. See if you can figure it out. Yeah, there we go. The youth knew it. McDonald's. Yes. Yeah. So we hear something like that. Advertisers know that when we hear this, we're going to start thinking something. Okay. Maybe you start salivating. Maybe you start looking for a defibrillator. I don't know. But okay. Um, Song number two. Yeah. Jaws. Okay. Some of you. <laughs> thank you, Lon. Some of you will, uh, some of you will associate that with um, the movie when it came out. Others of you just know that's what goes on in your head every time you step foot in the ocean. Okay. I'm serious. Some, for some of you, that's like, oh yeah, I love that. And others of the, it, it might, it, you know, just, there might be some fear. Okay. Speaking of fear, let's do this next one here. You know what it is? Michael Jackson, Thriller. Yeah, Thriller. Probably some of you are like, oh, okay. Some of you associate it with absolutely nothing at all. Others of you, maybe you think back to high school when that song came out and all the memories associated with that. All right, one last, one last song. Yeah, everybody smiles on that one. You notice? Yeah, when you wish upon a star, you think back to Disney. Maybe it was a trip to Disney. Maybe it was that movie that you got to see as a kid. But we have these certain connections that we make because that's one of the things. That's one of the powers that that songs have. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate it. Yeah. We have, uh, we've been walking through this little letter by Paul to the Philippians, to the church in Philippi. And uh, you can pull out your pew Bible and look for Philippians 2, or you can pull out your app. Um, there was uh, something going on in the church where they had begun to kind of forget who Jesus was. Um, when Paul wrote this letter, a good 10 years probably had passed since he was there. And what happened to those new Christians is what could still kind of happen to us. Maybe we kind of start to forget some of those things that drew us to Christ in the first place. Um, there were some false teachers maybe that had crept in and brought them to a point where they were questioning um, the resurrection. Uh, they forgot really what was going on with the incarnation of Christ when he came and he was God with us. Um, and maybe it was even, you know, they, just that understanding of how Jesus was fully human 
but also fully God at the same time. And so to help them remember, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter which included a simple one verse, one chorus song. And it's in Philippians 2, and it is known as the early church, and for quite a while afterwards, just referred to it as the hymn to Christ. And it begins in verse 6. And the verse, uh, the verse of this would be verses 6 through 8. And as you listen to this, I kind of picture this as a song. We don't have the tune anymore. All we have are the words. But the, I kind of wonder if this started in a minor key. If there was just something about it that was maybe um, sobering as they reflected on this. See if maybe you hear the same thing. Speaking of Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You kind of feel just the weight of that. And Paul wants them to remember this life of Christ and what he came and, and gave up and what he lived. But then this single verse gives way to what I wonder is just kind of a rousing chorus. And maybe this was sung, it kind of a, um, the song begins kind of, um, Pianissimo, I think is the word for it. And then there's this crescendo as they get to this very uplifting chorus about Christ. And it says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Now, what adds to this song even more is when you realize this was being sung in a Roman colony, okay? The, the Philippi was uh, under Roman rule, and there were some dangers associated with proclaiming Jesus as Lord. And so it is believed that perhaps they gathered together in homes and they would maybe even whisper sing this. You ever done that? You ever tried to whisper yell? You know what I'm talking about? Just where you're so excited and you're whispering. I remember watching, um, you know, sporting events late at night when the kids were little and I didn't want to wake them. So I'm yelling with a whisper. And I wonder if this is just, they became so passionate about what the hymn for Christ meant that they had a hard time containing their emotion. This young church in Philippi, Philippi as you may recall, and we read about this in, in the book of Acts, it began um, with the conversion, with the salvation of a lady named Lydia, who was a very fam uh, successful businesswoman of her day. There was also a lady who had been possessed by a demon that Paul um, freed her from that. And uh, the, there was a Roman jailer and his family that came to know Christ. And these were the people that were the first converts to Christianity and began this first church. And it's possible that even this Roman jailer, not only did his family come to know Christ, but other older retired Roman soldiers came to know Christ as well. And they began to form this, this early church. So there was still just that, that little bit of, um, 
just the potential for danger as they were singing this hymn. And there is um, recorded for us in history by Pliny the Younger. He was a Roman judge in that first century. He said, they gather early in the morning and sing a hymn to Christ whom they revere as God. There's another quote by Pliny the Elder uh, where he talks about gathering late at night for something completely different. Some of you know uh, what I'm talking about with Pliny the Elder, but you won't. Don't tell your neighbors. Okay. Um, and so there is, there is this taking place, and Paul has given them this song to help them remember. And they would hear this song, they would sing this song, and they would remember what drew them to life in Christ. Last week's message in Philippians, Roger taught, and he did such an amazing job. It took three people to teach the same message at family camp. Okay. That's, uh, what can we say? Um, and so we know from what it was the end of chapter one that Paul has just written about things like self-sacrifice, walking worthy or worthily. Wouldn't it be worthily as an adverb? But okay, they were walking in a really good way um, and suffering. Um, and so Paul is basically saying, I want you to pattern your life after someone who embodied all of these things. And so I'm going to give you and remind you of the humility that Jesus walked in. I want you to live your life in a way that says, it's not all about me. And Jesus modeled this for us. So going back to verse one, I'm going to read our full text today, which will also include the verse and the chorus of hymn to Christ. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Your relationships with one another, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. That, that uh, 12th verse, Philippians 2.12, was a verse that I, I really struggled with. It kind of tripped me up, and it was difficult for me to understand. Um, and it was because of a certain phrase in there. And the reason it confused me is because it seemed to directly contradict another verse that Paul wrote in another letter. And so see if you can uh, pick up on the apparent contradiction. The phrase I'm talking about in Philippians 2.12, we'll do that one first. Sorry, I switched them up. The phrase there was, uh, it's continue to work out 
your salvation. Continue to work out your salvation. But then a verse that I I grew up in church, and one of the first verses that I remember um, my parents and Sunday school teachers encouraging me to memorize was this from Ephesians 2. And it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So what is it? Salvation's this free gift. It's, it's unearnable. I mean, it is by God's grace. We can never be good enough to welcome this into our life. So he gives it to us out of grace. But then Paul is saying, boy, we got to really, we got to buckle down here and work for our salvation. Work out our salvation. What is he just, can you see kind of the contradiction there? Okay. So um, I want to talk about two kind of big churchy words, big Bible words, justification and sanctification. So if you'll hang with me for just a minute on some of these bigger words, that will kind of help us bring clarity to what, what Paul is saying, both in Ephesians and Philippians. Justification is an instantaneous act on the part of God as soon as you trust Christ. God credits you with the righteousness of Christ. You and your unrighteousness is exchanged for Christ's righteousness. So when God sees you, he doesn't see your sinfulness or your unrighteousness. God looks at you and sees his beloved son and Jesus' righteousness. And this is what enables us to stand before God in Christ, blameless, accepted, and beloved. Paul, writing to the Romans, says this in Romans 4. Now to the one who works... Wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. So here he's clearly making the distinction. Work, you do this, you earn this, then you get a wage. But a gift is over and above and beyond what we have earned. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. In other words, God has justified this person and their sins will not be counted against them. Our faith in Jesus' righteousness credits us with his righteousness as as we place our faith in him. So back to Philippians 2.12, we're to work out our salvation. Here's what has taken place in this. I mentioned um, in week one of this series that one of the things that Philippi was known for was its vast um, mines of silver and gold. And this is kind of a miner's term, this work out your salvation. And what Paul is talking about is salvation is this beautiful treasure But for us to make the most of this treasure, we have to mine it. We have to dig it out. We have to work it out. And so this would have probably made some things connect for them because they would realize what good is all this gold if all we did was sat on it. For us to really profit from this, for us and others to benefit from this, we have to mine it out. We have to dig it out. We have to work it out. So just as justification frees us from the consequences of sin, there's another big word called sanctification, and this frees us from the power of sin. 
And this sanctification is a process. It's an ongoing, lifelong work where we partner with God in a way that makes us more and more and more like Christ. We are given this gift of salvation, but this process of working out our salvation gives us the power to live a changed life. People will see it, but it is something that takes place on the inside. So justification, sanctification, sometimes Bible words are hard to understand. So I want to I wanna, um, use a language that everyone understands, and it is the language of Oreos. Can I, can I get an amen on that? So I would like um, Jeremiah, Chris Fletcher, you guys come on up. And um, Andrea Hunter, you want to come up with them? Help me with a little illustration. Yeah? All right, we're going to put these four chairs out, and uh, thank you. All right, let's slide them down this way so you're kind of kind of centered there. All right. Okay. Now, um, what I have for each of you is a free gift. Okay, of Oreos. All right. So a free gift. Um, I, I, okay, so this is your, your free gift. You like Oreos? Yeah, I like Oreos? Okay. I want you to set that under your chair and just leave it there. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, these are your Oreos. Now, what I'd like for you to do is uh, look at all of the ingredient and nutritional information on the side. And I want you to learn everything you can about that Oreo. I'm going to come back to you in just a moment, okay? So just don't even pay attention to what's going on on either side of you, okay? Jeremiah, I want you to open those up, okay? And uh, we're going to show people one of the ways to, uh, to really enjoy an Oreo, okay? Go ahead and pull one of them out, all right? And uh, you'll need two hands for this. This is a good thing. Do you, you, you twist them open? Some of you? Oh, they were in the fridge. Sorry. Oh, look, that's okay. That's okay. You've been working out? Yeah. Okay. And then it's, you know, different people do this different ways. Some of you will lick the icing. Others of you, this is what I do. I use my teeth. Yeah. So go ahead. If you could model that for us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pretty good. All right. Hunter. Yeah, yeah. All right, you go ahead and go ahead and open open up your Oreos. All right, and pull one out. Andrea, Chris, how are you guys doing down there? Yeah. All right, here we go. That's pretty cold too. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Now. This is where, again, it kind of depends on what you're used to, but um, I want you to to dunk that in the milk, okay? And maybe you just drop it and let it soak. I don't know. What do you... That's okay. It was was probably too cold. Yeah. Yeah, you swish it around, okay? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
And you might, some of you might drop it in there until it just starts falling apart and then you spoon it out. Others that, you know, kind of have texture issues and you pull it out a little sooner, I know. But uh, just nice, <laughs> nice. Okay, now can we, can we agree that there's a difference between receiving an Oreo and experiencing an Oreo? Okay, so here's the connect I want to make. There's a big difference between receiving salvation in Christ and living in the fullness of the salvation of Christ. And you want to know what that difference is? It's the working out. Milk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Desire the sincere milk of the word. That's it. Yeah. Suddenly a verse that we're all familiar with. All right. So let me kind of um, flesh this out just a little bit. Um, salvation is a free gift from God. It's not something we've earned. It's not like I had these people come over and mow my yard this week and said, hey, if you mow my yard, I'll give you an Oreo. Okay. <laughs> this was just a free gift that they received. And as they received this, um, have you noticed that with salvation, um, it's, a, it's a sad thing when someone prays to receive Christ and in their mind, it's like this prayer is this magic elixir where they pray and then they don't do anything else. It's like they just sit down and that's it. So what has taken place? Well, I would say, as I understand the scriptures, they're justified, but they don't engage in this process of sanctification, working things out. And, and usually these are the people that are really frustrated because nothing is changing. In fact, maybe life is getting even harder and my responses to it are getting even worse. There's another step in this process where we realize, boy, I really need to know about this God that I've given my life to. And so maybe you sign up for a class and maybe um, you start to read your Bible so that you can learn about God. Do you feel like you know a little bit more about the Oreo right now? Yeah. You see, when we've received salvation and we go to, to learn more about God, I think this is great. But there is more than just knowing about God, it's knowing God. Not just knowing facts about him, it's engaging in a relationship. It's not just here, it, it's here. And the difference, you can kind of see right here. And so we get to that point in chair number three, where we open God's word. We taste and we see, we have firsthand experience of God's goodness. We're not just having to rely on a story that we read or someone else's story that we heard. We have our own story of our encounter of how we are becoming more like Christ by the grace of God. This is where it gets personal. This is where it gets real. This is where an appetite and a hunger for the things of God begins to develop. Not just out of obligation, but out of appreciation we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. There is just something in us that longs for, yearns for, hungers for the things of God. And God becomes a really significant part of your life. And you begin to see things happening, fruit coming out of your life that surprises even you. You're like, wow, that's, that's just, that wasn't me a week ago. That wasn't me five years ago. 
and you realize that this is the spirit that is working in you to make you more like Christ. So where does this leave us for the fourth chair? Before I tell you, I want you to know, I probably, (laughs) I live most of my life hovering between two and three. This is where I find myself most of the time. But there is this full experience of our salvation in Christ where we become completely saturated with God, with a life in him. We have immersed ourselves in this new with God life. So let me give you a few examples. Um, This is not just you in church. This is God in you. And there's a big difference. There, um, you could kind of think of it as um, you're not going to settle for just receiving Christ. You want to experience all of him in his fullness. Um, you don't just go to church. You realize you are the body of Christ. You are the church. Men, at the breakfast, this is what Mark is going to be addressing. What does it mean, instead of just going to church, to actually be the church that God has called us to? It's more than knowing about God. It is living in awe and wonder of God. It's when what we have learned about him, we have been given eyes to see, and it's like we don't even know what to say in response to the goodness of our creator. Um, It is is more than just making God a part of your day. He becomes your life. Jesus kind of soaks in and seeps in every pore, uh, consuming every thought. Um, It's different than saying, I love Jesus. You are saying, I am in love with Jesus. You ever been around somebody that's in love? Kind of nauseating, isn't it? (laughs) Okay. I mean, we, you know, we have a lot of people that we love, but then that person that's in love, who do they talk about? That, that person that they're in love with all the time. It doesn't matter where you try and redirect the conversation, it always comes back to who they are in love with. And there is a sense in which we are not just loving Jesus and appreciating what he did. We find ourselves in love with Jesus. And the most natural thing for us is we want to talk about that. It's like that person in a relationship that they think everybody, now that I'm in a relationship, everybody should be in a relationship. It's this kind of in love with Jesus. And you realize this is the life that I want everyone to experience. In the third chair, you will sing at church. But from the life of Paul in the fourth chair, we realize that you will sing from a prison cell. There is something taking place in you that um, God has filled you so much when the most challenging and difficult situations and the circumstances of life press in on you, what gets squeezed out is joy. No matter what is happening in your life, there is this deep, resounding joy. God sent his son Jesus, fully God, fully man, to walk this earth, and he lived and breathed every moment in chair number four. And he modeled for us a life of what it was like to seek the Father's will and to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. 
to empower him and to live the life that God the Father called his son to live. Every moment he lived a saturated life. We read about it with Paul and some key things in his life. So with that in mind, um, Andrea, Chris, even Jeremiah, um, how many of you wished you had been in the fourth chair? Yeah, okay, yeah, feeling that a little bit? Um, And see, this is something, Hunter, that's amazing about when we are experiencing God, people will look at what has taken place in your life and they'll say, I I want that. And that's when we're a witness in this world. And it's, it's something that God is doing something so good in our lives and we don't get puffed up because as verse 13 says in Philippians 2, it is God who works in you. And we're realizing this is, this is not about me. It's still all about God. So if you want to know more about what's taking place over here, I, I just want you to know God can do in you what he is doing in me. And I would say we transition from loving, singing worship songs and our life becomes the song. I think this is where, to to tie it in with the hymn for Christ, your life becomes the hymn for Christ. Your life becomes one where you you have the same attitude, the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. You have the same song as that of Christ Jesus. And when people hear the song of your life, they will begin to associate it with what only God can do. Your life becomes this catchy tune that others around you are drawn to. And even if they don't, you ever started humming a song just because you heard it somewhere? Okay. Those of us at family camp, we were humming The Price is Right. Remember that? Because, because there was this video game that was constantly playing it. I would go back to my cabin and I was humming the jingle for The Price is Right. It was driving me crazy. Have you ever been around someone that you find yourself, quote unquote, humming after you've been with them. There is just something about the way they live their life that gets you thinking, I want more of that myself. When we are experiencing this fullness of Christ, as we are working out our salvation and we have glimpses of life and just the full experience of God, there will be others who will see what you have and want what you have And they will want to learn that same song. It's always about Jesus. It always comes back to Jesus. It always has been and it always will. Where you begin to sing this song and you have the attitude of you that was in Christ Jesus. Where you humble yourself. You're relinquishing your rights And you walk in obedience, even to death, not death on a cross, but death to yourself and to some of your selfish ways as this transition, this transformation, this metamorphosis takes place. Um, Thank you guys very much for your your help. You can head back. All right. Yes, you can. Sure. Yes. Yes, don't lose your salvation. Uh, I don't, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm going to ask the worship team.
to make their way up as well and uh, get some of these things out of the way. And we're also going to enter into a time with this last song. Maybe God is saying something to you that um, you need to confess him as Lord. Maybe you are realizing that you're, on, you're not even sitting on this first chair yet. You're standing over here and you realize there is a gift that's being offered to me. I want to receive that gift. And we have prayer counselors. Um, in fact, you can go ahead and get up and make your way here too. Um, off to the sides. Um, you can take some time and you can share with them. Hey, I... As a, for instance, maybe this is an opportunity for you to receive Christ. And really, I want you to think of also this fourth chair is not just something we sit in, but it's a posture. And we read in the chorus, the rousing chorus of the hymn for Christ, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So maybe, maybe you want to share some things with a prayer counselor. Maybe, maybe you want to bow your knee. And it's just a symbolic way of saying, I want to work out my salvation. Thank you for salvation. I want more of this life that you have for me. And just through simply bowing your knee and offering yourself as a prayer to him, this is a, a time for you. I want you to bow your heads. Um, This song is all about Jesus. It's kind of a modern hymn for Christ. It tells us what Christ offered to us, what he did for us when he was here on earth and what that means to us as the justified and as the sanctified. Father, we place ourselves before you. I ask that you will help us to empty our hands of the things that we are clinging to, the things that we are holding on to that might hold us back. I pray that we will move one chair over towards a more full life in you. It's in your name I pray.